Hello again, welcome back to the final chat with our Asher photographers. We have uh, four of them this time round. Uh, let's go around the table and uh, find out a bit more about yourselves. Um, I'm Katie, um, I'm from Manchester, and um, I'm honoured that um, I was the prize winner in the uh, People in Space uh, category. Well, thank you for coming. I'm Dario, I'm from Italy, Sicily. And by the way, I'm a chemical engineer, not a professional photographer, but I enjoy this hobby. Nice, nice. Thanks for coming. My name is Josh Jory. I'm a recognised landscape pastry photographer from Somerset, and my image this year is shortlisted in the Skyscapes category, titled Enigma of the North of Cannonish, Stone Circle and Milky Way. Very nice. Yes, I remember that one. I'm, I'm Peter Larkin. I'm originally from Halifax in West Yorkshire, but now I live in in um, Switzerland, close to Geneva. Uh, my image is the Jellyfish Nebula. Mm. Very, very nice. Thank you all for coming. Um, so just to start off with, uh, what made you pick up a camera and how long have you been you know, a photographer for? Um, I've been doing it... Uh, I've always had a camera, mm-hmm. even like little rubbish film cameras. Um, I had a digital SLR, I think 2010, but I actually started off doing gig and music festival photography. Oh, wow. So a bit different. I mean, dark, uh, you know, dark yeah, environments. Dark, yeah. yeah. Um, but there's two things that got me into astro mm-hmm. photography. One, I visited the exhibition about six years ago uh, here in Greenwich. And the other one was really randomly, I had a screensaver on my phone that had Milky Way image with some sort of rocky shoreline. Mm. And I just loved this image and I was like, I want to learn how to photograph that. Oh, wow. Inspiration <laughs> from all around. <laughs> so I started doing astrophotography more or less nine, nine eight years ago. Uh, I always had a, an interest in the astronomy and photography, especially when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Then when my kids were born, I bought a digital camera, starting taking pictures to the kids, of course, and starting to kind of linking the two interests in one and taking pictures to the landscape and the sky. Oh, okay. Right. So, so you, you always like uh, photography and always like astronomy and then just kind of yes. merged them into Indeed. Oh, good. So my story of astrophotography began, funny enough, at the age of seven years old when I used to watch the biker mice from Mars, oh, you know, yes. on the television, you know, science fiction stories. And it really all began when, you know, realising that you could capture these objects for a telescope, that you could actually see them with your unaided eye. And then, you know, you work towards telescopes and suddenly you think, well, I want to keep a document of this. And so it's when, you know, you take images, you take it to school, you show your friends like, oh my God, this is like what you're capable of. And before you know it, you go on to study a degree in photography, specializing in astrophotography, and then eventually to become, you know, a freelance astrophotographer today, working with ambassadors for Sigma and Brembo. Literally, it's been an absolutely exciting experience. Wow. Wow. That's so cool. I didn't know you could uh, specialise in, you know, astrophotography at uni. Well, that's the thing, you know, it takes you on your own personal journey and okay. the narrative you wish to get from your images. Yeah. And so, like, with my work, light pollution, as I think we can all appreciate, is impacting the natural world more than ever. And so, you know, having studied in Bristol, looking at the plastic crisis as well, it just shifts our orientation towards mm. what's happening above our heads. Mm. Oh, very good. Very interesting. Yourself? So, I, um, I bought a full frame camera when my kids were born um, just because I wanted to take nice pictures of them 
and actually it was also my kids which influenced astrophotography. We were in the we were in the mountains in the in the south of Switzerland in in, in winter. And one of my daughters uh, pointed and said, what, what are those three stars in a line? And I, I kind of had a bit of amateur knowledge and I said, I think it's Orion's belt, but I kind of wanted to confirm on my phone afterwards. And then on my phone, I kind of saw these breathtaking images mm. of Orion and Horsehead Nebula and things like this. And I, I kind of hooked, got hooked and wanted to take some photos myself. Yeah. Oh, very good. So um, you, none of you have any formal background in astronomy as such? No, I wanted to be an astronaut. Yeah, um, got to about the age of thirteen when we had to like decide options and work experience. Yeah, and it was all like local offices, and I was like, "Where's NASA?" <laughs> and then I sort of realised this isn't going to happen. So yeah. I forgot about the astronomy for what good twenty years until then I started the astrophotography. Mm. There's always you know so many routes into astronomy and, and space in general. Um, yeah, I wanted to be a national, and then I realised I don't like small spaces. So um, that's an issue. As being well, in right? a you know space shuttle in a rocket, uh, yeah, no, that's, that, that'd be good for me. <laughs> um, apart from uh, you know taking photos of, of the night sky, um, is there anything else you like to take photographs of? I mean, you're a landscape photographer as well. You started off actually both of you started off taking photos of your children. Um, you were, uh, you know, in gigs and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't do that anymore. Yes. It was fun for a few years. Yeah. I just class myself as a sort of long exposure photography, really. Ooh. So anything involving long exposures on a tripod. Yeah. So I like the coast, I like the sea, piers. I'm trying to visit all the piers in the UK. <laughs> um, wow. Photo book in there, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So in my case, I just wanted to show the beauty or the beauties of my land mm. to the world, trying to contribute something really special for my land. It's a way for me uh, to to be to communicate what we have and the beauties that we have. So my narrative, it's trying to capture places all over Sicily, some really common or known by the people like Mount Etna, but also other places less known by the people. And I want to show these beauties under the sky. Mm. Yeah. So I, I started uh, photography uh, during the first lockdown because um, I wasn't getting out of the house. I was stuck. I just didn't want to leave the house. And photography for me was my way of say, of realising actually the world isn't that scary or it doesn't have to be that scary. And it's very sort of I use that as a mindfulness technique. Do you find it's uh, sort of similar for you? Mm, yeah, definitely. Especially with astrophotography, you consider yeah. about that escapism that comes with it. You know, we think about that, you know, perspective of looking up to the universe. And, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on day-to-day life. That when you take that image and you realise the natural beauty, really, how much more connected you become to yourself. Mm. And really, you know, from my own astrophotography, I always say it's an emotional experience. You know, like I mentioned earlier about light pollution that affects that, that's having as well. But also like, you know, thinking about your roots, thinking about where you come from, like, you know, to even get images of local landmarks, you know, telling your own story to, you know, your mm. own narrative, you know, I think that's really important. It really is. All of your images are amazing. Um, but for me, um, photos need to tell a story. 
Um, what do you want to? What do you hope people will take from seeing your images? <laughs> Just awe and wonder. <laughs> um, not sure how to answer that really. Um, I think. Even if it's just, in, you know, somebody seeing my image like I attended five, six years ago mm-hmm. and that inspired me to start astrophotography. I think just if someone saw my images or any of the other images and it inspired, inspired them really. Yeah, I think yours um, actually do does tell a story. It, it just makes, well, it makes me think of um, like E.T. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the Haslingden Halo, yeah. um, if anyone knows, it's in East Lancashire. There's, there's, um, it's illuminated uh, with these really bright LEDs so you can't actually uh, see any stars <laughs> with the naked eye. But it's perched on top of a, a hill. So if you're driving past at night, it does look like a, an alien spacecraft mm. overhead. Mm. Yeah. As I told you before, I just want to show the Sicily in a different way, you know. I, I truly like the concept of one people and one sky. And Sicily has different cultures in it. So we have Greek temples, we have windmills, we have uh, fields of lavender. So there is a way, Sicily, in which, in my photo, Sicily, it's like becoming a microcosmo, a microcosmo, yeah. you know what I mean? And the sky has no boundaries, so it's a, like a, a small world with a, a unique sky with no boundaries. That's what I try to transmit in my photos. I think for myself, Reed, the whole reason I take photography is like what we're doing today is to meet with like-minded people. We're all connected through the night sky, and that is our number one passion. Mm-hmm. And you know the amount of delight that gives you know to meet people from around the world who share that connection. It is so lovely and you know the fact that we're getting more people inspired to look up to the night sky i think it couldn't be more crucial now more than ever that we're doing this to recognize that importance it's beautiful i think there's some there's some great astrophotographers out there and i think that always for me personally wants me to push myself to the next level i see a great image of a of an object i've taken an image of in the past and i think okay I need to, I can do better, I can, I can squeeze that extra yeah. bit of juice out of it and, um, and kind of also push myself to try things which I would have thought would have been too difficult in the past. Mm. Actually, that seems to be a theme from everyone I've spoken to today. They've, they've looked at all the images and taken some kind of inspiration from each, saying, oh, maybe I could use that technique or maybe I could do this and that. Um, do you have a favourite image in the exhibition that's not your own? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just looking at to, to the at the skyscape category, which mm-hmm. is mine. Okay, my category. Mm-hmm. I like a lot uh, the image from Vikas Chandra with those silhouettes of the trees mm-hmm. because it reminds me of exotic places, and there is something magical in that image. Of course, I like the winners and the prizes, so congratulations to them. Mm-hmm. But that that image is like talking to my, uh, it's talking to my soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That that it does feel that one feels like you're on an alien world almost. You sing all the stars and the colors in the sky, and then the trees all twisted. And, yeah, the dancing yeah. trees of yeah. Sambus. Some I don't remember the name of the place, but that's it. Mm. Do you think? You'll need the latest, the newest, the biggest, the most expensive equipment. 
don't think so really i would say you know the more of us you can get engaged within astrophotography with the equipment that we have the better like for all of us you know our passions had to begin somewhere Mm. and so i think the more you know you get interested into astrophotography great learn the processes and it will take you somewhere but i think the crucial thing right now is to get more of us interested in looking up at the night sky I think I would say, because my image is a Star Trails image, um, that, I mean, I started off with a second-hand Canon, mm-hmm. second-hand lens, second-hand tripod. You know, the total cost was just a few hundred pounds. So yeah. I think for things like Star Trails, you don't need expensive equipment. You don't need a, you know, a, 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 prime, en- a, a prime lens, mm-hmm. you know, just a kit lens, a basic camera and a tripod will mm-hmm. do. I think for, I think for Deep Sky... I think you can take an excellent image with a camera and a lens, um, but I think it will also entail a lot of frustration along the way. Yeah. Um, so I think to make life a little bit easier, if you can um, splash out on some decent gear, I think it will just make your life a little bit easier for the deep sky mm-hmm. category. I guess, you know, you're talking about very different things. We're talking mm-hmm. about astrophotography, mm-hmm. but, you know, what you do is very different to, mm, yeah. to you know, mm. taking deep sky uh, images. So I guess the advice would be different for... Yeah. 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 Different categories. Different categories, In my case, exactly. I'm still shooting with a very old camera. It's a Canon mm. 6D, which yeah. is a very old. I don't feel the need for a new camera. Yeah. If I have to spend something, I will spend for the, mm. for the lens. But yes. all if uh, I am at a level at mm, which I need you, to improve. Yeah. I, mm. I have reached a kind of... Uh, Threshold where I need something, mm. something new to, to improve yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. Until that moment, I will keep my gear mm. as it is. You two come and you go. I think someone analysed, uh, was it a couple of years ago? I they analysed prize winners, yeah. and the most commonly used camera was still the Canon 6D. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it must be 12 year old now. Mm. Yeah. The reputation so, that yeah. equipment's got in it holds you in your place. It's very cheap if compared mm. with other cameras, mm. newer camera, I mean. So I don't feel the need to, to buy a new one. Mm. Mm. There are better cameras for sure. Yeah. But I'm still doing good photography with that camera. Mm. And you feel and comfortable I, with it. And I will keep it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I'll, I will never get rid of my first camera. <laughs> my uh, Minolta X-T5. <laughs> um, did, you, did, did you have to do a lot of planning to take your images? I guess for you, definitely. Mm. Um, and, and, yeah. and yourselves. I mean, I, I use... Um, try to let technology help me as much as I can. So I use some apps to see which objects are available for me, you know, because I, I do have like some obstructions in my garden. I've got big trees and other mm. buildings. So there's only a few directions which I can face. So I need to check which objects can I get a few hours of data on in a particular direction. And that already narrows it down to maybe, um, you know, five or six targets. And then I, then I, um, basically choose one randomly or whatever spontaneously looks the prettiest and then go from there yeah i think when it comes to landscape astrophotography it is literally opportunism Mm. so my photograph titled the enigma of the north when i visited the isle of lewis in the outer hebrides a very rare weather forecast was predicted so four days of consecutive clear skies and to think you know in my mind's eye that is the image that i would love to capture is canonish you know my own background my hobby of stone circles and ancient sites and to capture the 
dynamicity of the Milky Way projected over the Cannonish Stones. Mm. And then when you visit and then you have alerts going off on your mobile phone, minor amber alert, and you think, whilst you're taking this image, the aeroglow cropping on up, you just cannot predict what's going to happen. And before you know it, woe betide, you have an amber alert of the northern lights trickling on the horizon. Oh, it's so yeah. special. <laughs> I, I, I always say that for, for a good photography, you have to spend one third of the time in planning one third on the field and one third in post-processing. Right. I do a lot of planning before. I try to find out the right alignment. In my case, it's the comet above Mount Etna. I had to study before in advance the right spot where to shoot with the right focal lens. Yeah. So it's a little bit complicated, but we have a technology, we have an app that can help us. And also you have to check for the weather condition. Mm -hmm. You have to check how to reach the location because sometimes roads are not good. No, so, so you have to understand how to reach the location and if dangerous or not. So there is a lot of planning before in my case. Yeah, yeah. I think in contrast, there probably wasn't that much planning involved with mine. I mean, I've got uh, no mountainous roads or anything like that to, to navigate. Um, I've got a couple of... So I, I live in Manchester, which is really poor for light pollution, because not just Manchester, you've got Liverpool, you've got Preston, you've got all the cities and yeah. sort of towns nearby. Um, and then also work in a hospital, and I have to give six to eight weeks notice for any leave. So I can't just think, oh, there's clear skies, let's book some time off yeah. and head out. So I tend to book some time off around when there's, you know, new moons and just hope for the weather. So I'm sort of, that's the extent of my planning, really. Um, so the image in question, um, it was just basically waiting for some, some clear skies, really. It's only about 40 minutes from mine, so not too difficult. Um, the main problem I experienced in my image, I didn't realise till I was actually there how bright the LED lights were. So once I got in front of the structure, I realised I could hardly see any stars <laughs> to the extent that I couldn't actually locate Polaris. Yeah. So, wow, yeah, so I was reliant on, uh, I think it was Stellarium app just to try and locate where I was pointing. Yeah. So that was more of the challenges for, for mine. Wow. 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 Um, so, final question, just to wrap things up. You are all uh, interested in astronomy as well. Is there a, an, um, an astronomical mystery that keeps you up at night that you want to, to be solved within your lifetimes? No. <laughs> I think to start it off with, it has to start off back to my roots. You know, when I watched the Vikramites from <laughs> Mars when I was seven years old, you know, that moment was a captivating experience because it made you think, is there life out there? We hear about news which is coming up, you know, in the media, and we think about potential for life that might have potentially visited Earth. But it's that sense of awe and wonder when you look up on a clear night, you think of the depth of the universe and our chances of being here on a ball of rock. And you think, if we have a chance here, there must be somewhere else out in the universe doing the same. Mm -hmm. And it's the idea of not knowing which gives us the mystery. Mm -hmm. Good answer. 
Do you think it's uh, a little bit more terrifying if we are alone in the universe? I think it's a bit of both, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I so. yeah, it is. Because, like, it's that feeling of knowing, is there other intelligence out there? And it's like, you know, science fiction can have its own interpretation of events, yeah, sure. but we just have that simple matter of not knowing. Yeah. And I think by feeling more connected in what is, you know, the whole parallax of the universe is quite a special feeling. Yeah. Great, well, thank you very much. That 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 ended on a quite a deep and meaningful mm. <laughs> ending. I love it. Um, thank you very much for coming today and for chatting to us. And I uh, hope you uh, enjoy the rest of your evenings, your time here. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you.